Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. Well, guys, we have some exciting news for you from Vortex about their brand new eyewear, their Banshee and Jackal sunglasses. Me and Andrew have had these for a few weeks now, right before the release, and we've been extremely impressed. They're awesome glasses, guys. And listen, if you're needing some new sunglasses, not only do they have the VIP warranty, but they're tough as crap, guys. Uh, Scratch-resistant eyewear, uh, it's extremely important. And also, they have safety features as well. So when you're out shooting at the range, again, these are rated glasses, so you are going to be more than protected when you're at the range. But they also look fantastic when you're out around town. So right now, Vortex has some special pricing on their website, which is vortexoptics.com for the new eyewear. But also, if you use the code SOUTHERN20, you get to save even more on this special pricing for right now at vortexoptics.com. Again, check out the new eyewear from vortexoptics.com and use the promo code SOUTHERN20 to save on their brand new eyewear. Hey everybody, this is Kyle V, host of the Ozark Podcast. If you like the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast, we have a show for you. We sit down with local outdoorsmen of Arkansas, Missouri, and Oklahoma to talk all things hunting, fishing, conservation, history, and culture in the Ozark Mountains region. Just like the outdoorsmen who live here, we follow the seasons and interview regional experts to discuss the pursuits of hunting turkeys, bears, and whitetail, as well as the science behind their conservation. Join me and my co-host Kyle Plunkett every Wednesday and make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. Today, me and Jacob are beyond excited because we're going to be deer hunting by the time the next episode drops after this one. You excited, Jacob? Dude, beyond excited. Especially after uh, <laughs> getting pictures of a, a, a good buck. He's just goofy, but definitely, you know, a shooter. He's good, man. Yeah. Yes. He's a, he's a little scraggly looking but he's pretty cool yeah if you count all of his all of his junk on his right base it, it looks i don't know being a southerner i guess you'd call him almost 11 point if i counted everything but i, I mean they're like little i don't know he's got spikes on his right uh base which is pretty cool i mean he's got a lot of character his main beams literally go like straight back and up uh so it's kind of goofy looking but really good deer so i'm excited yeah, man. Yeah, I, I was excited when I saw that buck because you didn't send it to me. You just put it on the Instagram story, and I turned that thing on. And I was like, ooh, who is that? 
It's a pretty nice one. Yep, exactly. Wait, Excited to be chasing him. I know, man. It's going to be awesome. So, uh, I guess we need to do a little kind of recapping. Today, guys, this is going to be me and Andrew on the episode. Uh, we're just going to kind of recap of what we got going on and then uh, kind of our plan for this velvet hunt since I have a lot better idea. Uh, at least I feel like I have a lot better idea of what the deer are doing on this uh, specific property. But uh, with that all being said, Andrew, how about you uh, kind of kick it off first of you know what you've been doing this past week or so, uh, especially out there doing some scouting. Yeah, so I've been super busy it's been hard to get out and scout but i've been able to eke out like a, a couple or actually yeah two scouting sessions each of them lasting uh two hours or so two three hours um so that that was nice being able to get out there the first one i went back out with michael pike again from southern ground um and me and him went and scouted an area that me and you both jacob have kind of had our eye on for quite a while um it's it's kind of hard to access um just because you have to walk in there and it's kind of a big ridge and it's a little bit landlocked um i don't know it's more of an overlooked spot than anything i guess but getting in there was pretty cool we found a ton of beds um again finding very little acorns up there man Uh, i don't know what it is but if anybody else in central alabama's having trouble finding acorns let me know because i'm i'm having trouble finding any this year a lot of the trees that typically produce just don't have any in my neck of the woods in central alabama at least i mean that's interesting to kind of uh you know realize that up here we've had it seems like we're doing a pretty good acorn crop for this year uh for the most part all the white oaks i've found have had some sort of acorns you know some are more loaded than others but i haven't really seen any except for maybe smaller immature trees that are uh, you know, not really caring. Um, but, you know, just kind of talk a little bit more about that spot where y'all kind of scouted. That definitely is something that I, I believe is overlooked because I've, I've literally thought about hunting that for a couple of years. I scouted it, I believe, in 2014, 2015. And in that area, they had just cut uh, some timber. And I know it looks totally different now than what it did then. But, uh, you know, I just looked at it and I really didn't understand uh, what I kind of do now as to what to look for, especially when it comes to deer on high-pressure properties. Uh, also, mm-hmm. how they're kind of avoiding people using the, the terrain features that are on that, you know, block of timber or that block of uh, terrain that you're, you know, been scouting. Uh, so that's awesome. Y'all were able to go back in there and really have some success, especially in a location that I really do think is overlooked. I mean, that's one thing we yeah. talk about all the time, you know, trying to find some overlooked spots, and that I, I believe that's one of them because I don't think a whole bunch of people are going to look at that and be like, oh, that looks dynamite. Uh, to be oh yeah I mean look on the map it looks good I mean ish but it's like one of those things there's so much other stuff around there that is just like looks to me more dynamite that I'd rather spend my time at so man way to go I mean that was that was awesome yeah thanks man and uh I mean overlooked spots that's something that I talk about a lot is it's usually like a good overlooked spot is usually in proximity to something that looks really really good on a map and people tend to flock to it so in this particular case, it's a massive, massive cutover with a, a bunch of greenfields in it. And a lot of these greenfields have oaks like right next to them or in the greenfields. So, I mean, naturally people are going to flock to those just because, you know, it's what a lot of people know to hunt over. And I'm sure they have success doing that, but uh, I, w- I want to get up on the ridge basically above all that and find these little points coming off of the ridge and where these where these deer might be bedding 
and also find the oaks up there that they might be feeding on because early season I'm thinking that these deer are going to be milling around during the daytime up there because when you when you hit the very top of the ridge you got uh, basically a hard transition from that old cutover you talked about to ver- pretty open uh, hardwoods a lot of hickories a couple oaks in there a lot of chinkapin oaks which is good um, like I said before not a whole lot of them ha- not a whole lot of them had acorns on them which I, I'm gonna bet that it's gonna be a good thing for me because you know they're gonna have to travel more to go find acorns they're gonna have to travel farther to feed and there's a lot of good pinch points up there because the the topo map doesn't really do this area justice it, it doesn't look that steep on the map but when you get up in there dude I mean it's like I mean there's drop-offs like legit drop-offs there's not quite bluffs but I mean you could roll down the hill if you get what I'm saying like uh, when the, where these draws come up man it's like very very steep it's hard to walk on and there's just big trails cutting across the tops of those draws uh, tight to that bedding cover so I'm thinking I can shoot right up one of those draws one afternoon and sit on one of those little punnels pinch points which a lot of them had scrapes on them too um, and hunt up there and maybe catch some daylight movement like they might be feeding there before they head down to the green fields and the creek bottoms and everything but real quick before we kind of move on, uh, you just mentioned like you know finding this on like a high pressure area and all that. So wh- you know what do you define as a high pressure area? Because we always talk about it, and I don't know. I, ha- I have an opinion about what makes a high pressure area that I don't know. Maybe not a lot of people have, but I want I want your take on it first. Well, number one thing when I when I think of a high pressure area, I'm thinking of someplace that's close to a large population of people. I know also it's going to have, again, thinking about high pressure, it's going to have good, decent to good access, uh, whether it's roads, trails, um, stuff like that. Third would probably be just the type of people that are hunting the area. Uh, you know, if you have guys that to me are, are, are a little more um, serious, not your weekend warriors that, you know, kind of come out for some of those gun hunts. Cause to be honest, I'm, I'm not very worried about those, but it's the guys that really go out there I mean, similar to us and, and really put in a lot of effort, um, are really the ones that you're kind of competing with. And we have an area kind of like that property. Cause I, I know there's a absolute ton of good hunters that hunt over there. Uh, to me that, 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 yeah. that's, it kind of cuts down on really where you can hunt. Uh, as in not running to some of these guys that are you know truly talented and really know their way around that property that can really have a lot of success year after year. Yeah, yeah. I kind of agree with that. reason I bring it up is because I know we got a lot of listeners who hunt leases or hunt clubs or maybe hunt family land or hunt by permission. And most of the time, you're, you don't have a property all to yourself. And, you know, after I started hunting public and everything, I... I kind of realized once I started figuring out what pressure actually is and what it means, I'm like, you know, those some of those clubs I grew up in were pretty dang high pressure clubs. Cause, I mean, this obviously isn't typical for like every club in the South and not every club in Alabama and everything. But on a lot of clubs, you got like a good road system. You've got typically 800 to 2,000 acres on just just an average club. Uh, and they can have anywhere from like 10 to 20 or more guys. So, I mean, when you think about it, if there's dudes out there hammering it every weekend in bow season and rifle season, I mean, that's pretty high pressure. It's not public land, but, I mean, it's it's of equal pressure to a lot of places that I hunt on public land. 
Yeah, exactly. And it, that kind of comes to the point of, you know, I have quite a lot of experience of hunting family farms, leases, stuff like that. And probably the one properties that we've hunted that had the least amount of pressure was probably some of our family leases. Just because we would only hunt it, uh, you know, a couple times a year, you know, nothing too crazy about it. But when you think about that, someone's hunting a lease like that, and, you know, my rule of thumb, and I think a lot of guys' rules of thumbs when it comes to a, a club or a lease, is 100 acres per member. If you get below that threshold of 100 acres per member, that's when you're getting extremely crowded. I mean, you'll see some uh, some uh, uh, clubs and leases. I actually saw one today on the Tennessee Deer Hunters page that it's a club up in, or a lease up in uh, Illinois. It's like 600 acres, and they had a total, they were trying to get a total of 14 or 15 guys for that lease. And I'm like, that. that is way overkill. And the thing was, almost half of that or more of that uh, 600 acres was all open farmland. Um, so that really squeezes a lot of guys. So you're, you're talking 14 guys and 300 acres of timber. That, that's that's not going to work very well. Um, so that's that's one thing. I think a lot of people think that, you know, private or public land is the only place that you have high pressure. A lot of these clubs, and even, even a family farm, too, uh, you know, can have a lot of pressure just because how many people are going out there, especially the guys that kind of go, you know, day in, day out to their certain favorite field or their favorite stand or mm-hmm. this and that. That's really where yeah. that's really where you can uh, get into some high pressure. But, but like our, like our buddy uh, Bowen Slade, which, Andrew, you weren't up here to hear this story, one of our uh, BHA members, uh, he, he actually got permission, or shouldn't say got permission, he was able to get into a very exclusive club uh, or lease uh, this past season. I think there's only like 10 guys in the whole club. It's like 10, It's like 2,000 acres. And he, there was this one member who consistently always hunted this one little greenfield that was maybe a quarter acre in size, had a little ground blind set up because he was seeing deer come through there and he had a picture of a really, really big buck. And he kept sitting there on that field thinking that buck would come by. Well, Bowen found out uh, about, uh, you know, how the guy just kept wanting to sit on, the cl- sit on that uh, field. And he sat up on the ridge about 300 yards away uh, adjacent to that field and was able to catch a very large buck come past him, was able to harvest it, and it actually turned out to be that same deer, which was pushing over 150 inches in Tennessee. Um, wow. So, so that, that tells you right there that you can kill really big deer on high-pressure places, but it's more about almost hunting the hunting pressure than the actual deer. Yeah. And I know we've talked about that yeah. a little bit. There's a lot of people that talk about that. And finding out where people are hunting consistently, also how they're accessing and accessing, oh my God, I can't talk. <laughs> accessing <laughs> and exiting their staying locations is another way where you can have a lot of success going in there and find where these deer are more comfortable at and they understand there's people already there with pressure. Uh, so, so that's that's huge. That's huge, and that's something that you can implement pretty much anywhere and really see success very quickly. And especially even just putting trail cameras out. I mean, that's something you can kind of focus on and really get a lot of uh, a lot of good photos, uh, which is something that we can kind of talk about uh, what happened to me today as well. Yeah, yeah, dude, with the clubs. Because you know, thinking back, I got a lot of places like when I was younger and didn't hunt the way I hunt now. I'm thinking back on clubs that I was in when I was younger, and I was like, man, there, if I could go back, I, I think I could get on some good stuff. I mean, you never know for sure, but, man, I mean, it, same thing goes for a club, dude. You got guys that really like hunting, um, hunting like, a certain field or, like, a certain cutover or that certain stand or pinch point or whatever. And if you know where everyone else is hunting, I mean, use that to your advantage because that that can make all the difference in the world because 
I mean, the reason those deer aren't getting killed is because they're not walking where everyone is hunting. So you get, you know, you get in between the stands, you find those overlooked spots where the the deer might be working to kind of avoid people. I mean, you're you're in the money. But that's about enough of that. <laughs> Jacob, I mean, tell me about your scouting trip today uh, and kind of what, and yesterday, I guess, what you've been doing as far as uh, this private land that me and you are going to be on this coming weekend. Yeah, so to kind of jump into that, uh, again, guys, uh, today is the, the 19th of August, and starting on the 24th of August, which is this coming Friday, is the uh, first velvet August deer hunt that Tennessee's ever had uh, that they're hosting. Uh, I, I believe that's correct. But um, anyways, this, this property that we've been talking about in the last couple of weeks uh, that we've gotten permission to hunt on and really just kind of figured out the property. Again, it was pretty much 90 five percent of the property is all overgrown pasture um, again it was an old cattle farm at one time it's kind of just been let go and the landowner now just pretty much has that property as a uh, financial um, asset that he'll sell whenever he you know he feels the need to um, the, the one thing that I was kind of worried about with this property is with it being so open uh, even though you know these overgrown pastures, you know there's, there's big thickets of just briars at, like everywhere. There's these big thickets everywhere, and then it, you know you have a lot of native grasses and everything as well. But was my worry was trying to find a stand location that you're catching these deer slipping past you. That was my number one worry, and you know going out there. I guess it was two little over two weeks ago, setting trail cameras. I, I was trying to think where these deer would possibly, you know, cross. And what I really tried to focus on was the southern boundary of the property. There was an absolute ton of buck sign, which definitely was, you know, coming from, you know, more during the rut. There's a ton of rubs, old scrapes all along the boundary. And I... Well, well, why why do you think all that buck sign is there? Well, come to find out, <laughs> jumping ahead, uh, you know, I, I put a camera down there on the... Actually, I had two cameras on the southern boundary. One was by the pond, which had a really good trail coming by it, and was not able to catch a single deer on camera there, which was kind of kind of surprising. Because actually, I thought that one would have more photos on it than anything else, or actually videos. Um, I had the other camera over the mock scrape that was on the southern boundary, right in this uh, right in this valley above the creek where all this buck sign was now the buck sign is on this adjacent property but i put the mock scrape kind of on the boundary uh with the camera facing it and you know after running cameras i had a ton of pictures of does crossing coming through right there uh check out the mock scrape and then on friday this past friday which was the 17th had a picture of this really gnarly looking buck um and again for anyone that's been following us on Facebook or on Instagram, you probably saw that buck on our story. If not, make sure you follow us on our social media platform so you can keep up the date with what we're doing. But that that was really um, that was really helpful, you know, getting the picture of the buck. Because again, I was worried that you know I've heard that there was good bucks on the property. Uh, my buddy had seen them, landowner seen them, neighbors had seen good bucks. But it was just trying to figure out a pinch point or some place that these deer would come to. And I uh, had him come up to the scrape, uh, check out the scrape, and then crossing the boundary at uh, 8 o'clock in the morning, which is surprising. Uh, so it's got me a better idea of kind of what's going on. My other camera I had out, uh, which was a little bit farther uh, north on the property, uh, was just on a 
row of cedars, these, you know, decent-sized cedar trees that kind of cut through the edge of one of these fields. And I had a camera out there, and I got a picture of a couple does and fawns, but nothing nothing major. Um, so I, I definitely think that the, the key on this property is going to be the creek for this early season. Now, the creek does not have constant running water. It is a hard uh, limestone creek, hard limestone bottom creek, and that's our access and entrance or entrance and exit point for this property, um, which is going to help us get in and out. But again, it's just got you know pools of water every now and then, and then when it gets a hard rain, then you know it'll flow. Um, and I definitely think that deer just really working the edges of it, uh, looking at the trails and kind of dissecting the area a little bit more, and actually finding a couple beds uh, down along the creek. Uh, the grass is you know roughly knee to thigh high around it, and found a couple beds close to the creek. Uh, it's definitely got me thinking that that's going to be the uh, the main spot that we're going to focus on. I've got a couple different trees we'll, we'll be able to get in as well. But it's definitely the first stand uh, sit, which, again, I'll be hunting solo opening morning since you'll be coming up that day. Uh, hopefully, I'll be able to get visual on some deer and hopefully some bucks to kind of get a better idea whether we need to stay in that location or move to something else. So are you wanting to do like a like an observation sit the first day, or you want to go in like, straight into the money spot and see what we can make happen well i'll say because we're having a we're supposed to have forecasted again this is the uh (laughs) the forecasters are saying this uh we're supposed to have a pretty significant cold front coming through on thursday evening temperature is supposed to get down to 60 degrees if that's the case i'm probably going all in chips all in uh friday morning for that one spot where the camera's at just because i was getting so much deer movement through there and there's you know, I had my camera t- pointed across the scrape back onto the fence and, you know, happened to catch a lot of deer crossing the fence right there. And I know that's not the m- major fence crossing that on that uh, that edge. Uh, there's a couple other ones up and down the fence that I think the deer are really using. There's more trails there to prove it. So I- I'm thinking that that'll be a really good spot to catch these deer kind of coming across. And now whether or not we can catch either that buck or another, you know, good buck coming by, that- that'll be just the main question. Yeah. Now, uh, I, like, I haven't been on this property at all yet, uh, so I, I won't even step foot on it until we're there to hunt. So, uh, I mean, have you seen any acorns hitting the ground yet? I mean, I doubt it being this early, but, wh- I mean, what do you think is the major food source right now? Like, what are we going into here? Oh, that's a good one. Um, all honesty, dude, it, it's, you know, there's this absolute ton of, native browse all over the place uh not a huge diversity though but th- there is a lot and you can see the deer have been eating on you know various different uh browse um in that do you know what it is by chance i, I do not i do not unfortunately again i'm not a uh botanist like you and uh and well well hearse on all my plants but by, by no means i understand there's white oaks and red oaks and i'll let you make the decision on uh, exactly what oak that is but um no, 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 no acorns uh, falling. There's a, there's a lot of hickories on the tree on the property. Um, the only only oak tree that I've been able to locate that actually has acorns is literally behind the barn. Now it's a worn out barn. I've talked to you about this early season or for this hunt. It's not gonna be a not gonna be a you know a resource for us. But later on, like the opening weekend stuff, if this ac- if this oak tree is dropping which is literally 25 feet behind their old rusted out barn. There is a top window in the barn that I think I can climb up into. 
that would make an awesome stand location that is set up exactly 25 yards from this giant oak tree that is absolutely unbelievably loaded. And uh, our buddy Drew said he sees you know quite a bit of deer out under that tree uh, throughout the fall. So I think that's going to be a really good spot to kind of target. But uh, definitely that's not going to be a factor uh, yeah, for this dude. hunt. Get up in that barn and whack a doe. Shit, dude, I, dude, I'm telling you. It'd be a really cool video, too. I got some really cool shot angles. I think I can uh, work with doing that, uh, which would be really cool to kind of bring that content to you guys and be able to uh, kind of follow along through that hunt. But, again, for this velvet hunt, is this one of those things that – it's going to be a lot of um, fly by the seat of our pants, I think. Because uh, I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely think we should go, you know, guns ho on this hunt. Just because, you know, we still have a month. After this hunt, we still have about a month before our um, regular season comes in. So I, I'm not too worried about, you know, you know boogering up or messing up any of these deer right now. Uh, also because this is, this is outside the city limits, but there's still, you know, housing around. And the deer are used to commotion and smelling people and this and that. Uh, so I'm not... No, now, what? That that's an interesting point. Now, do you think we'll be able to get away with a little bit more scent? I mean, I mean, we're, we're not really huge on scent control products anyways, but do you think that we'll be able to get away with a little bit more uh, because they're so used to smelling people? I mean, these things are living, you know, I mean, hundreds of feet from people's houses and stuff, right? I'll say with my experience urban bow hunting, no, we, we will not get away with it. Even even <laughs> when you hunt, hunt urban areas, deer are used to smelling people within a certain region of where they're at. You know, if they're if pe- if the deer are in someone's backyard, I, I really do think that they can tolerate the, the scent a lot more than if you go, you know, a hundred yards from the house into the woods and then they smell you because like oh that's not normal like we're not used to smelling you know humans here and that's been the that, yeah. that's been what i've experienced in the last couple of years urban bow hunting is you know if you're by the house no big deal really uh i mean they'll get kind of wigged out but they're you know they're not going to blow at you or do anything crazy but the second you get 60 100 yards 150 yards 200 yards from the house boy they are as wild as can be and man if they catch you downwind uh if, they're, if they catch you you know you're downwind uh, it's it's over it's over uh, so definitely don't think that's uh, that's gonna help us out by no means but I will say be ready for some mosquitoes I will have two thermosils rocking and rolling in that tree because it is gonna be uh, highly necessary for us yeah dude I hear that so I'm pretty dude I'm pretty interested in I mean just this property how it sets up and it's mostly like overgrown pasture is what it looks like on the map and from what you've told me. And I'm pretty interested to see what's growing out there. And, I mean, if we have to make a substitution, like maybe keying in on some kind of native browse they might be hammering. Like, I know that uh, where where me and you have always hunted in Alabama, they hammer poke weed or poke salad, whatever you want to call it. They hammer that stuff hard, man. So that'd be kind of cool to kind of find some kind of native browse like that and maybe hunt over it maybe catch one coming in late in the afternoon or maybe heck i mean with that cold front i mean all day is fair game in my opinion especially if we're up in that thick stuff man you could probably get up in that thick stuff if you got that good of a cold front i mean they might move all day i don't know well i'll say so far this summer i've seen deer move at all times of the day no matter how hot it is um me too. So, and definitely down there where we'll be, 
it wouldn't surprise me if we were seeing movement at 10, 11, 12 o'clock. Now, whether or not we want to sit in the stand that long and sweat our butts off, uh, that might be, you know, another story. But um, <laughs> it, it's... It, hey, man, you got to be in it to win it, dude. Sh- all right, you bring the Gatorades, and I'll bring some ice packs because we're going to need it. There you go. Got to gotta have that sweat equity, man. Yeah. Oh, still net from Jordan Barnes. <laughs> he's going to be like, he's gonna be like I-, I copyrighted that. <laughs> <laughs> Good old Jordan. Yeah, but I mean, I, killer. I'm de- okay, original killer. Yeah, but I mean, I'm definitely, <laughs> definitely, you know, excited about the hunt. It's just trying to trying to apply what I've learned in a very short period of time. You know, scouting this property, running cameras on this property, and hopefully that we can, you know, just you know, cross lines and connect the dots with a with a good buck. Because you know, I definitely don't want to shoot a buck. I mean, I, I want to shoot a good buck on this property. Uh, there's no need in taking like you know, just uh, you know, a much younger deer just for the heck of having something, you know, small and velvet. That doesn't really appease to me that much. Um, so definitely, you know, would like to have a solid deer come by. If not, you know, this would be cool just to kind of, you know, work on our filming uh, from the tree stand and work on our setups uh, if, you know, if that's all that it comes to. But, you know, I definitely feel um, a sense of readiness for this. You know, it's it's, <laughs> it's been a... I'm not going to say a long time coming, but it's definitely ever since I heard about this hunt and, you know, it was all ready for the books, definitely been super excited about it. And I think we're going to be able to apply what we've learned in a short period of time and hopefully be able to come out on top. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting hunt for sure, dude, because, I mean, we over the years we spent, like, so much time, like, studying deer, looking at deer, trail camera pictures of deer from this time of year. You know, everyone's running cameras. Everyone wants to take buck inventory. But this is like a whole new dynamic because now we're actually trying to figure out how to kill one of these deer at this time, which is pretty interesting. It has its own sets of challenges and everything. But uh, I want to I want to get off this velvet hunt in a minute. But the last thing I want to ask about because, like I said, I'm I haven't been here and I don't really know how all this lays out, so I'm totally blind going in. How do you think thermals are going to be affecting the hunt? Because we're going to access with that creek. So do you do you think that thermals are going to be uh, in our favor? Do you think they'll be an issue? I mean, what, what are what are you expecting? As long this this is my hope, because of the way the property lines up. As long as we do not have any southwest winds, or preferably northwest winds, we'll be okay. If we start getting some crazy southwest winds we're gonna have to rethink everything um we might to be honest we might hunt off the ground uh we might have to loop that'd be cool we might have to loop all the way around the property and hunt off the ground on top of the ridge and just hope you catch a deer come by which i mean to be honest i, I mean i wouldn't be opposed to that um but it's it's gonna be interesting to say the least thermals should be fine as long as we have a northeast wind east or southeast uh, prefer preferably yeah. like a southeast wind would be absolutely dynamite for this spot. One reason why is the way I'm seeing a lot of these deer move. It's actually kind of caught me off guard. I thought they were betting more so on this property that I ha- that that we have able to hunt on because of how many beds we found. But what it I think it's coming out to look like. They're betting on this property, but I'm guessing it's only on these cooler days or overcast days they're betting on this property just because there's so much sunlight and radiation getting through a lot of this this grass and overgrown uh, yeah, fields. Yeah, it's just a ton of thermal cover. Yeah, exactly. So they're going, what I've saw on the cameras day in and day out ever since I had my camera up over that Mox Creek was the deer were coming from this property, our property, 
going across the fence up to the neighbors. And what that's going to do is if we have that southeast wind, it's going to be kind of on that, um, what do they call that, kind of hunting on the verge, where the verge is getting busted, which I think looking back at the weather uh, for when that buck came by, it was a southeast wind when he came through there. And it would put us right on that verge, right on the edge of getting busted, but having the wind, you know, in that deer's favor, the way he's coming uh, down off that hill, coming across the creek and coming up. Uh, give us about yeah that makes sense that makes now now did you look at you know your other days like did you go back and trace the history like so that that buck came through the southeastern wind were there any other days with the southeastern wind or was was it just that one day and that's the day he came through because that that would be pretty interesting i i haven't yet looked at that and i could probably look at that tonight and get a better idea of it but i do remember looking at it in that friday we had a southeastern wind uh pretty strong that day uh, it which made again total sense for how he act, how he entered uh, the property and was heading back up that ridge, which again would make sense because he would bed up there on top of this ridge, facing the north, having that wind come over his back and then blowing down the bottom and he can see down below him and smell everything behind yeah, him. Yeah, okay, yeah. He was probably going up there and gonna like J hook into his bed or whatever. That's what you always hear they do at least. Yeah, ex- exactly. And that's really what kind of got me excited about that is kind of figuring that out. At least I feel like I figured it out. I mean, it's very early on, and hopefully through the next month or two, I'll find out even better how these deer are working the property. But I, I do believe that this property for sure is just, you know absolutely covered in thermal cover. So come November, that's what I'm really getting excited about is November rut hunt, you know, especially if we get some snow like really early in November or like late mid to late November. Oh, my gosh, it is going to be absolutely phenomenal. Um, just because I think the deer are really going to hit hard on this more open area, trying to get out in the sunlight a little bit more and also be feeding and also chasing around. I think it's going to be a really good spot to really get a good visual on these deer uh, come November. Yeah. Dude, I, I really hope that we get there and midday Saturday we get hit with, like, a good rain shower and it kind of tapers off to, like, a light sprinkle for the rest of the day. Oh, man. That afternoon would be great. That that's the exact uh, conditions that me and Michael had uh, when we scouted and saw like twenty bucks. Well, I'm, I'm glad that your cameras are all waterproof. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find a way. Yeah. We'll make it happen. Yeah, I'll bring the tra- I'll, bring, I'll bring the trash bags. <laughs> yeah, there we go. That's what that's what me and Michael did, dude. We stuffed it in like a field and stream bag or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> in, in in the backpack, and then we started seeing the bucks, and we just yanked it out anyways. No, actually, I mean, you got to get filmed, man. Well, actually, dude, if we did have a good rain like that, like a mid-afternoon rain, I think that would be absolutely phenomenal for us uh, to really kind of get those deer on their feet and really kind of get moving. Um, so, again, we'll, you know, we'll see. We'll see how the property, uh, how it turns out for us. And, guys, again, we'll, if y'all stay tuned this week, just keep up to date with us on Instagram and Facebook because we will be dropping hints and videos and photos of our hunts as we go and Again, if anything happens, you'll definitely find out first through uh, one of those platforms. Yeah, faux show, man. All right, let's get off this velvet hunt. We've uh, rambled on like 15 minutes about it. So let's move in to just this this deer season coming up. Like kind of uh, I, I, I think it would be something good for uh, – we've had a pretty decent influx of new listeners lately, and um, – I think it would be helpful to for us to go through kind of our goals for this season and then maybe go through some of our setups that we have more faith in. Like I, I 
right off the top of my head, I got a couple that come to mind that I just am really, really excited about that realistically I think I can do something here. You know, you find a spot and you're like, yeah, this is awesome. I could do something. But, you know, being realistic, you, it might be a great spot. It might not be. It's, it's kind of hard to tell, I guess. But, man, there's a few ones this year where I'm, I really think that we can get it done. But let's start with you and let's just kind of interview each other and uh, go over our goals, hopes, aspirations, all that stuff. So for you, what, what is your main goal for this hunting season? Like, what are you looking to get out of this season? Well, definitely, for sure, having a lot more success. You know, this last season was pretty rough on me, you, you know, missing a couple bucks, uh, you know, also a couple other deer, and just, you know, def- definitely the season didn't play out the way I wanted it, except for Wyoming. Wyoming was totally different. I, I freaking cashed out all my – all my luck and points and everything. Used all your luck in Wyoming. Yeah, yeah pr- pretty much, pretty much. Cause. That was our theme of last season, all last season, especially in the rut when we just kept messing up opportunities. We're like, yeah, we used all our luck in Wyoming. That's why. I mean, it, it felt like it. Now, this year, I definitely believe that I'm going to have a lot more opportunities at a lot more different bucks, which I'm really excited about, both on public and a little bit on private. Uh, but mostly on public out here, I, I really have a lot of confidence in locating some of those bachelor groups of bucks once they break up uh, in the next month or so and really be able to have the opportunity to be able to harvest you know one if not two of them and be able to tag out you know buck wise this year definitely definitely think i'm going to have the opportunity to you know harvest a lot more deer the only thing is which you know is kind of tough is when you live in an apartment like myself and i don't have a full-size freezer that i'm used to uh, for my meat, uh, it's gonna be kind of tough <laughs> get all my meat in here. So that's gonna be interesting. I might have to get me a little small, like seven uh, cubic uh, foot uh, deep freeze for up here, which that would probably be worth it. But uh, definitely looking to get a couple more deer on the ground this year. And, and one thing, I, I'm I'm also looking to truly learn more about a lot of these tactics that we've talked about, a lot of our guests have talked about, and kind of implement those even more so throughout the season and find success from them even more so. Uh, and that's really what I'm truly excited about, especially moving up here to Tennessee, hunting places that I've never hunted before, and then be able to have success that first year, which everyone knows that first year you move somewhere if you are any kind of a public land hunter. When you try to hunt some new property for the first time, there is a learning curve. Uh, you know, oh, dude, you know, that was me last year. Exactly. Exa- well, yeah, exactly. When you when you were down in Auburn, man, you were. I mean, for a little while, we were confused on what the deer were doing down there. Uh, so, so that's definitely something that I'm kind of feel up here. But you know, having the opportunities to be able to see as many bucks as, as I have uh, this preseason while scouting has really given me, and also this the deer densities numbers has, has really given me a, a big uh, upbeat for what the season's going to look like and then hopefully the success that we will have and be able to bring for you guys. Yeah. Well, what are you looking for in, as far as buck quality goes this year? Are you going to have pretty high standards on what you want to shoot or are, are you just going to kind of whack whatever gets your blood pumping? Uh, I'll say uh, for this velvet hunt, I'm going to be kind of picky personally just because I, re- I yeah. really don't want to kill a young deer in velvet. But come this, come this, uh, this season – uh, I get two. I get two buck tags. Believe me, the first buck that comes by me that gets my blood pumping, whether he's two years old or he's five and a half, he's probably getting shot. Uh, again, just because personally, I don't have a absolute ton of deer under my belt by no means, and, and the more opportunities I can get, be able to harvest deer like that, the more opportunities I'm going to think I'm going to have in the future to really understand how to handle those situations. Because that's really been my struggle in the past. And a lot of guys, if you followed us along since the beginning, you understand that. 
I don't necessarily think I have target panic, but I definitely have issues finishing once, you know, I get to the point. Uh, you know, when it comes to finishing the shot, you know, making the shot happen, it always seems like something goes wrong. Uh, and that's one thing I'm, I really want to try to fix this year, to be able to actually be able to truly harvest more deer and be able to get comfortable and have the confidence to be able to do that. Uh, so to kind of get back to your question, definitely, you know, first deer, first buck that comes by, other than this velvet hunt, that kind of gets my blood going, like you said, definitely going to get shot. The second deer, I really would like to be kind of picky and try to find a better deer on public land. I think that would be phenomenal uh, to be able to kind of show for kind of what we've been doing, you know, especially around some of these buck bedding areas, to really be able to implement that and show that to the listeners and our viewers uh, on, on YouTube and really show what can be possible, especially your first time or first year hunting a new piece of ground. Yeah. So to close you out, I'm going to ask you one last question and then we'll turn it on me. Uh, what? Okay, so name your favorite spot for this upcoming season and why you have so much faith in it. Like what what makes it such a such a dynamite spot where you think you're going to have success? Oh, man, that's rough. I can't believe you would say that. <laughs> dude, I, I said, Come on. Dude, I, did I even talk, man? I don't have favorites, man. I, I, just, I just roll around the edges. Um, Man, everybody's got a favorite. Come on, man. Gosh, um, I'll, I'll say the 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 property that Jordan Barnes has named the Cadillac Track uh, definitely is probably high on my list. That's catchy right there, the Cadillac Track. Yeah, so I'm, I dig that. Yeah, so, so <laughs> I like it. So you guys, uh, you're definitely gonna be seeing a lot of the Cadillac Track this fall, especially on the YouTube. Uh, extremely excited about that. That's where I was getting a lot of different videos from a bunch of different bucks um, while pre scouting. And actually, when our intro video for our YouTube channel comes out, you guys will actually see some of those deer. Um, that that should be out pretty dang soon. Uh, well, y'all be watching for it. Yeah, so perfect. But that's probably one of my that's probably one of my favorite spots so far. Just because there's a lot of bucks there, and they're going to relocate. And I think I really have a good area, a good idea of where they're going to relocate to. And it's kind of some off the wall spots that <clears throat> I think a lot of people are going to focus more so on some of these larger fields and stuff and where i really think these bucks are going to relocate at is going to be kind of something off the wall that unless someone's thinking like i do which you know there are guys like out there because uh you know i've met them before unless they're thinking like that i don't think i'm going to really have much uh competition in those areas uh secondly you know definitely uh you know this this private ground is i think gonna be awesome and then also for honorable mention it's definitely going to be um the one parcel, which I need, I need to come up with a better, I need to come up with a good nickname for this other parcel that you know you and me have talked about, that uh, is pretty much landlocked by a residential area. Um, we got to find a good name for that place, but that place has a absolute ton of deer sign. It's stupid. Uh, I'm talking trails. You know they're not like sidewalks like yours, uh, which y'all found, but definitely they are. Um, they're they're pretty big. I mean they they give cattle trails a run for their money. Uh, and saw a ton of deer in there, a lot of bucks on. So that's definitely got me excited. Heck yeah, dude! All right, well that 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 square you away. Yeah, so let's uh just kind of tr- you know turn the uh turn this boat around a little bit and get get it back towards you. Uh, I know you've been putting in a ton of work along with our listeners. Have probably followed along. They understand that you put a ton of work in this summer scouting. You know what? From what you found so far. What has got you the most excited for this coming season? Which I know y'all season in Alabama opens a lot later than you know us up here or Georgia or anything else like that. But what's got you most excited about season coming around? Well, before I get into that, uh, a lot of the scouting I've done, like 
probably if you watch the Instagram story and everything, it might seem like I might have like a bunch of time to go scout. But in reality, a lot of these scouting trips are squeezed in, you know, throughout my the rest of my schedule, just wherever I can get away. And most, I mean, it's rare that I'm scouting for more than like three hours. I think I've had two days this entire summer where I scouted more than three hours. Uh, it's just, it's hard for me to get away for a full day at a time. So I'm, I guess you'd call it speed scouting where I'll go into an area, I'll identify stuff on the map, run in there, try and figure it out, you know, and th that's one reason I use mock scrapes a lot because I can find a good spot, throw a mock scrape in there, get out, and my scouting's pretty much done as far as like finding out who's in the area and kind of getting a visual of what everything is. And then I'll kind of figure out the rest of it in the season. I'll go back, analyze the maps and everything. But, yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there. But what was the question again? Yeah, well, well I mean, what's got you most excited about this coming season with everything that you've kind of either learned this fall or, I'm sorry, learned this summer and also what you learned from last fall? I mean, what's got you most excited? Hmm. Man. So... I gotta say, I'm definitely the most excited about like the hunting beast tactics that we're gonna be trying. Which, you know, we we started doing it last fall, and we we actually we didn't kill anything. But I mean, if you're not measuring success off kills, but off of just pure encounters and everything, we had a lot of success with it last fall. I mean, just like just figuring out how to do it on the fly. Um, we saw a lot of mature bucks last year, man, like probably more than I've ever seen in a single season by using this like super aggressive tactic. So I, I'm excited to really implement that and give it like a full year. And another reason I'm excited is just spending a little bit of time with Michael Pike, who's on the Hunting Beast Forum. And uh, he's he's very well versed in, in these beast tactics. And I've spent a little bit of time in the woods with him. And kind of picking his brain about this stuff and seeing how he thinks about things and also putting our knowledge together has really given me a better idea because, I mean, really a lot of these spots, um, I was probably hunting them wrong last year where I'm focusing maybe on the, the wrong beds or the wrong type of beds or, or something like that. Uh, so I don't know. I'm kind of reworking the strategy a little bit to kind of fit my own areas i guess you would say this fall so i'm definitely the most excited about that i think and uh plus i'm excited because last year i started hunting like three or four different parcels that i hadn't really been on before and i kind of got that awkward first year out of the way so i, I kind of know how things work out there a little bit and i have a much much better idea of what i'm walking into this fall all right and for a second question what is going to be the most difficult thing for you this year when it comes to self-filming, which is something that we're both implementing this year. Oh, what, what do you think is going to be the, the either the biggest learning curve for you or this is the most difficult aspect of self-filming? Ooh, buddy. I mean, everything about it is going to be difficult. <laughs> I mean, everything about it is going to be hard, dude. <laughs> I'll, I'll be surprised if I don't lose a deer because of that stupid camera. I'm already, like, dreading it. But it'll be fun. Man, with self-filming, honestly, I think it's it's going to be like a little bit of a learning curve, like carrying the stuff in and setting it up because, you know, it's hard enough for me to shimmy up a tree and my lock-on and everything without making too much noise, being how tight I hunt to bedding cover. But, man, just adding like a camera arm and all that crap, that's just going to be a little bit more 
interesting for sure. But honestly, dude, I think the hardest part of me self-filming this year is going to be the fact that I'm going to be trying a lot more ground hunting because I got a couple areas that I'm going to be super aggressive in, and that requires me to hunt on the ground in these areas. So I might get up behind a root ball, build a natural blind, do something like that. And self-filming on the ground is going to be extremely difficult because you don't have a lot of movement that you can do without getting busted. But also, in a lot of these spots, I'm not going to have a visual of the deer until it's in front of me, you know? So I'm going to have to listen and hear it coming and just be ready for when it when it gets there. Yeah, and that's something I'm actually really interested in. I think we ought to hit on this real quick, is this ground hunting, especially with archery equipment. Not talking firearms, but really archery equipment for this. Um that's one thing that Michael Pike has really gotten me kind of interested in uh, is the whole ground hunting game. Uh, he's definitely had a ton of success with it, which, guys, if you don't know about Michael Pike, you need to head over to the Southern uh, Ground podcast and kind of listen to those guys and uh, kind of get a better idea of Michael and his hunting style. But uh, he does a lot of hunting off the ground with archer equipment and had a lot of success with it. And that's something that I can really think I can implement on one of these parcels of public land just because – it's it's a there's a lot of cedars on the property. It's not necessarily a cedar thicket, but there's a lot of places that you know tree stands definitely not going to be a viable option. And I think truly hunting off the ground with a good camouflage pattern and be able to you know get in a good setup, I think would be really successful. Oh god, I can't talk. <laughs> it's not a podcast if we're not stuttering I, at some. I'm point. telling you, man, just catching myself. <laughs> yeah, we have to stutter. But uh, no, but to really catch a lot of these deer coming from these different bedding areas, I, I think hunting off the ground is going to be extremely successful for me. Uh, the only the yeah. only thing is, like you said, the struggle of self filming it because it's already hard enough to try to shoot a deer off the ground with a bow. I mean, that's that's a given. Again, without a blind. Or without a pop-up blind, you could say. Um, and then to be able to self-film it as well. And like you said, you know, a lot of times you're not seeing these deer until they're within bow range. Uh, that That's going to be pretty tricky. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm used to hunting on the ground with a rifle because, I mean, I think at this point I've killed like 25 deer or something like in my lifetime. And most of them have been with a rifle. And I've killed exactly one of those out of a tree stand with a rifle. All the other ones have not been in a tree stand uh, as far as, like, rifle kills go. All, all my bow kills have been from a tree stand. And I got, I think I've killed one with a crossbow on the ground at, like, four yards or something crazy like that. But bow hunting on the ground is going to be weird, dude. That is going to be different. Uh, my, my strategy going into that is honestly going to be, like, good back cover. Like, having a lot of crap behind me that I can just kind of tuck into. And, uh, I don't know. We're going to see how it goes. I mean, I, I, I don't really know what my strategy is going to be until I get out there and start implementing it and figuring out what I'm doing wrong and how to make it right. Yeah, and I, I think the number one issue with that is not necessarily dr- the back cover. I mean, that, that's, that's going to be key, but also the be, staying quiet. Because um, hunt, yeah, big time. hunting off the ground, you know, got a lot of leaf litter, or even if you're hunting in a pine, you know, you know, pine forest with a lot of, you know, needles, you know, it's one of those things that, man, it's like everything you do on the ground, you know, you go back to draw, you shift your weight a little bit, and it just makes a noise, and those deer are going to pick you off in a heartbeat, unless, you know, you have a nice breeze going through there. Yeah, that that's one thing I was going to say. I don't think I'm going to try ground hunting at all, with a bow at least, unless it's we got like a decent wind, you know, kind of ruffling everything up, making a little bit of noise. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And also maybe conceal your movements a little bit, depending on what kind of cover you're in. Well, with kind of all that being said, let's talk about a little bit about my scouting trip today. Um, we kind of went out with, uh, or I, I went out with uh, Joey Bell, one of our buddies, uh, Joey Bell, and his fiance Krista, and had an absolute blast. But what we did was uh, Joey drew a tag for a certain wildlife management area for a gun hunt uh, up here in Tennessee, which, again, for anyone that doesn't live in Tennessee, they do a lot of draw hunts um, for kind of like specialty hunts on some of these management areas. Uh, some of them are only open for archery, and then they do draw hunts for muzzleloader and firearms and, you know, you know, vice versa, all kinds of things. And uh, he was able to draw two gun hunts on this one management area, which is down close to his farm. And it's not a huge property by no means. It's probably about 1,000 acres uh, compared to, like, what we're used to back home. You know, 1,000 acres is pretty small. Um, but it's absolutely just nasty terrain, and it, it, it looks rough on the maps, and it really does look a lot like Bankhead uh, National Forest. or Is it National Forest or State Forest? It's a national forest. Okay, so I mean, it reminds me of Bankhead, as in like this the topography. Uh, it's it's nasty. So I can get out of the bottoms. It is like, it looks just it looks bad. And, and really, I didn't think the topo uh, maps are really correct until we get out there and we walked up the side of one of these ridges. I'm like, oh, yep, it was 100 percent correct, like straight up like mountain goat uh, terrain. But uh, we we kind of got in there and got up on this one ridge top, and unfortunately, again, something that we guys we always look for is. You know, I, I love a public piece of land that has uh, very limiting public access where there's only maybe one or two parking spots. Well, this property had three parking spots all on the eastern side of the property, all within, you know, reasonable distance of any side of that property on the eastern side. So you can pretty much get to any parcel of that pretty quickly. Uh, I didn't realize that at first because uh, we were going to look at the southern region of this property. But we get up on this ridge. Finally, after going up, I mean, one of the steepest inclines I've ever walked up in my entire life. It was rough. We got up on top, had a little logging road up there, and I instantly noticed that almost all the trees were either white oak, red oak, and then there's a few hickories mixed in. I mean, it was unreal. Only problem is this whole property looks like that, and from what I saw, every white oak I saw and most of the red oaks were absolutely loaded. Um, some people were like, oh, that's awesome. And then you think about it, like, no, that's horrible because those deer are going to be so dispersed and spread out mid, you know, up to mid season, up until, you know, you know, November, it's going to be rough hunting them. Um, but we saw so much rut, rut sign up on top. There's a ton of rubs, uh, old scrapes. And of course, uh, we were looking for some beds and, and that's when we kind of started lacking, uh, I had a ton of confidence we'd find some beds on the north side of these ridges, on these points, uh, just because we've had a ton of southern winds this whole summer and thinking we could find some buck beds. Well, we looked over these southern points, or these northern points, probably covered, I think, uh, three or so. One of them was absolutely massive. Could not find a single bed, and I was absolutely dumbfounded. And one thing that I think kind of played as a factor, this most of this property, at least on this one ridge, I would say on this one ridge, was pretty open hardwoods. You know, very mature trees, um, not a whole bunch of ground cover. Horrible, absolutely horrible fawning cover in, you know, for turkeys and everything. Absolutely no cover on the ground. Uh, and I think that was one thing that was a limiting factor, which kind of helped or kind of hurt us finding beds, is I just don't think they were bedding up there along those ridges uh, and on the points. But found- I mean, dude, just, just to like throw my two cents in i mean just from what that sounds like 
I mean, it's like, why would they be up there? Because they're, they're way up on a ridge. There's no cover. There's really nothing to eat up there. And it's been pretty hot. I mean, I, I would assume you'd maybe find beds down near water somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I think there's yeah. there's one large creek that runs the property. And that was one thing. It, it crossed our minds. Like, maybe we should go down to the creek. And then we see how far it's down. And it was like 300 feet down. It, <laughs> You're like, maybe it, we shouldn't it, go and down it, to the creek. it drops like 300 feet within like 150 <laughs> yards. And I'm like, I don't need a reese. I don't need a reese. You could just roll down there or slide. No, you get a running start and just jump, and you're just you're <laughs> gone. Except it's all rocky. Um, <laughs> Babe, that's how you can hunt. You can just jump off the side and land way up on the top of an oak tree. Okay, guys, don't listen to be up in that tree. Yeah, there you guys, go. Guys, don't listen to anything Andrew says. Just straddle a limb. You'll be ready to rock, Doc. We are not liable for anyone that w- wants to try that. But I mean, my goodness. But dude, <laughs> it, it was rough. But anyways, the thing was, there wasn't a whole bunch of cover, dude. Even like you look down the draws, which I didn't see. You couldn't see all the way down to the bottoms, except for like that creek bottom. It really wasn't a whole bunch of just thick enough habitat that I really think that at least a buck would be feel you know secluded in and, and protected. Um, you know, I can imagine a doe group maybe bedding up around some of these points and stuff just because there's multiple deer. They can kind of have a better sense of their awareness uh, for predators and this and that. But definitely did not look good at all for buck bedding. And, you know, we definitely lacked that today. Actually, I got bit by a snake today, which was the first time uh, for me. I've never been bitten by a snake. So that was kind of interesting to say the least. A little garter snake bit you? Yeah, I was going to say uh, it bit me while I was holding it. So maybe that was my fault. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Here's your sign. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyways, yeah. So we were we were actually we walked up to this really big. It had this big point, and there's a really deep cut draw that ran up on this point. And I was I saw it on the maps. I'm like I'm like Joe. We we're gonna run over here. We are gonna find a very large trail on the head of this draw, just because the deer are not crossing that. You're, they're they're just not. It's that steep. It's nasty. It's blowdowns, and it's not happening. And we went to the head of the draw, and there was an absolute, just a massive trail cutting the edge of it. Uh, and I was kind of talking to him, like, this would be a really good spot to come hunt. Like, that's one thing, guys. If you're hunting, you know, areas with pretty gnarly terrain, uh, I'll give an example like Bankhead, if for anyone familiar with Alabama, or any place that's, you know, got some really uh, large hills, small mountains, stuff like that. If you can find one of these ridges and then a very steep draw that runs up the ridge, the head of that draw, there's going, to, there is going to be a trail that runs the edge of that head of that draw, okay? Because the, the yeah, deer, th- that's what I was finding the other day with Michael. Yeah, so the deer are not going to cut through that draw; they're going around the top of it, and that's one spot. If you ever are doing a like a blind sit where you're going in and you've never been into a property before, that's one thing you can always look for. If you can find that to sit the head of that draw, whether you're gun hunting, bow hunting, whatever. You know, you're going to be in an area where there are going to be deer coming through there. Now, whether or not you'll have success, hopefully that'll be a good enough area for it. But you're going to find a lot of deer sign in those locations because uh, this is a natural funnel. Because the deer really don't like, in my personal experience, they don't like running the top of ridges, um, especially come gun season or deer season. They, they understand, especially on public land, which we actually find some, st- we found a stand on top of this ridge and cat eyes, which another thing, guys. Friends do not let friends use cat eyes on public land. They just don't. Yep. Yeah, they, yes, they just don't. They get onyx and they use onyx. You don't use cat eyes. Um, 
but that, that that was one thing. You know, the deer are not going to run the top of the ridges. They're running, you know, down the edge of the ridge, whether it's a third of the way down, two-thirds of the way down, whatever. They're not running on top for the most part, at least during daylight hours. At least that's been my experience. Some people might have different experiences. But we were just finding a ton of sign around those head of the draws. That's really where we find a lot of sign. Get a lot of rubs, scrapes, this and that, but just could not find the uh, buck bedding, unfortunately. But, again, found a snake. Thank God it was... Uh, non non venomous, unlike Andrew. Andrew is the king of finding venomous snakes and uh, Dude, almost getting bit. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! So, Let's talk about that. Yeah, yeah. If if y'all follow our Instagram story, you saw that snake. Which, dude, well, I, I might put together like a little video uh, for the YouTube channel, just like so people can see what happened. But uh, basically, me and my buddy JT, we went out and scouted this area. Uh, we went to go scout and to get a little bit of drone footage for the YouTube channel. And we get out there, and we're kind of scouting around the outskirts of this bedding area. We're really just trying to find trails, um, find maybe some scrapes, buck sign. And uh, I found a shed, by the way, which is pretty cool. Nice little nice little uh, four-point side, which is neat. Uh, it really wasn't chewed on at all. It looked like it had been there for about two years, but nothing had really chewed on it yet. But anyways, right after we found that shed, we shoot up into this little pine thicket and then follow the ridge down get to the bottom and it opens up and it's just gorgeous like short pines you cannot get a tree stand in there really at all uh which jt saddle hunts so he, he might be able to actually get up in there but we're like okay let's put a mock scrape right here and i'm like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna put the gopro on this tree watching us do this mock scrape it'll be some uh, good b-roll footage just for the channel at some point and so i stick that thing on there and it's watching us make this mock scrape and we're just trouncing around this whole area i'm scraping up the ground like uh like bending the limbs over to make the licking branches and everything and i go switch off the camera right after i switch off the camera jt's like oh my god and i turn around and he had he was basically putting his foot down on top of a big timber rattlesnake and he freaked out and everything and uh dude this thing was sitting right in the middle of where we had just been working and so like i had to it it was a friendly snake, apparently, because the dude, he, would, he wouldn't bite us. He wouldn't do anything. Uh, and so I picked him up with a stick and tossed him off because we couldn't get him to run off. I poked him with a stick, and he just sat there and looked at me. He didn't rattle, didn't coil up, nothing. So I picked him up and tossed him in the bushes, but I was like, man, I had that GoPro running. We could see how close we got to him. Dude, I went back and looked at the footage of that GoPro. JT literally stepped on that snake two times. And I stepped within four inches of it at least once, possibly twice. And somehow it didn't tag us. Man, if that ain't a sign that y'all need some snake boots, I don't know what is. You've ran into more venomous that, snakes. That was God giving me a hit. That was God like, hey, man, look, this was this was your warning. You need to get some snake boots. Dude, you've, you've ran. <laughs> I mean, thank God I mean, how many, he did not get tagged, man. How many venomous snakes have y'all ran into this last week and a half? Between me scouting with JT and Michael, uh three or four i was gonna say there was at least two war moccasins did y'all find a copperhead yeah almost saddle okay so you found a copperhead like one or two moccasins and like two timber rattlesnakes or something like that i don't know man it's it's crazy y'all y'all over there just snake charmers i'm over here barely can find a snake to save my life and what i do is a garter snake it's a big whoop <laughs> uh um yeah that, that would have been but i been but i actually got bit and the gopro got bit and my camera got bit uh so that was funny 
But um, it, it'd be funny. It's gonna be cool footage. I'm not gonna lie. It's gonna be cool footage. But uh, after we got done kind of scouting there, we kind of like buried, you know, went off the ridge. And to be honest, it was more sketchy going down the hill than going up. Like it looked way more steep going down. I was like, man, where's our repelling gear? Because we, I cannot. Uh, if you fail, I, I told Chris and I told Joe, I'm like, guys, if y'all gonna fall, fall on your butt. Because if you fall forward, you're not stopping until you hit the bottom. It's a long ways down. And uh, anyways, we were able to get down pretty quickly, and we actually had Joey's uh, dog Moose, who is a poodle. Short, well, he's got a haircut, super short. He actually looks like a, a curly head lab. And that dog, freaking put in four wheel drive, run all the way up and down that ridge, no problem. We were over here about to fall off, but uh, we went back to the to their uh, his farm and everything, and actually took the rifles out and went and, uh, to go shoot. Uh, Joey's actually going on the antelope hunt this fall, and uh, he's got a three hundred wind mag, which. I mean, a 300 wind mag versus a 110 pound antelope. Uh, that that ought to be pretty interesting. Um, but anyways, we were out there trying to get his gun dialed in even more so for a longer range. Uh, we had sighted in a couple, probably about a month ago at 100 yards, and took it out there. And they have a, a private range. It goes out, still targets out to 425 yards, I believe. And Joey was freaking ringing bullseye at 300 yards without a problem unsupported shooting off bags on the ground and then shooting out shooting kill zone size groups out to 425 yards with his 300 meg like dude it was awesome awesome footage it is a good time so absolutely had a blast with that heck yeah man it sounds awesome well i mean oh dude season's closing in joey's gonna be antelope hunting we're gonna be hunting uh, velvet bucks gonna be hunting regular bucks Pretty dang soon. It's it's about that time, man. Yeah, we're gonna be hunting ducks. We're gonna be hunting bear, dove. I'm, yeah. I'm going on a dove hunt too in uh, September. F- I guess I don't know if it's September first. I got to look at the dates. But whenever dove season opens up here, we're gonna go on a dove hunt. So it all, it all be pretty fun this fall. So, anyways, guys, uh, Andrew, if you don't have anything else, uh, I think we ought to hit on a little bit uh, with the YouTube channel and kind of let you kind of maybe talk about that for a second before we close it out. Yeah, dude. Um, Let's see. The The last thing I wanted to say, you totally skipped my last question, which was, uh, crap. <laughs> you don't even know. <laughs> it, was a, it, was a, it was a thing about, um, like, a spot that I'm excited about and everything, like, a, and why I think it's going to be good. Oh, man, you were thinking about this. You're like, oh, come on, ask me the question. Ask me the question. Oh, man, you totally screwed it up. You screwed up the whole interview. No, I was, I was throwing you some, I was throwing you some curveballs. I, dude, I had a change. Oh, it was man. called a change-up. Come on. Do you not know your baseball? Man, you, you just, you just going on tangents. Anyways, all right, all right, all right. So, Andrew, tell us your favorite spot. What are, what is your favorite spot, Andrew? Just tell us. Thank you. Do I smell sarcasm? Oh, of course, man. Careful now. <laughs> okay, so I kind of went through that spot earlier about like the ridge top and the draws going up and the tight trails and everything. So that they get the gist of that. The other, my, probably my number two spot I'm real excited about is this little um, small parcel on a piece of public land in the state of Alabama. That's all I'm going to say about it. Um, but there, there's kind of like a like a pine savanna, like a longleaf pine savanna. And, dude, there's all kinds of folks hunting in that longleaf pine savanna because it's pretty. You can get in a climber and see for 500 yards. And uh, actually some guys go back in there and squirrel hunt it, I think. Uh, I've, I've seen their tracks and I found their shells. I'm pretty sure they're either hunting squirrels or woodcocks or snipes or something like that. 
Uh, down in the swamp, man, I keep running into stupid woodcocks. They scare the crap out of you because you walk right up on them, and they'll be like sitting up under like a fern, and they'll just blow out of there, and it's like a chicken. It's like a it's like a grouse almost. It's like a southern Alabama grouse. But anyways, um, so in this longleaf pine savanna, there's one trail that goes into it, like a hiking trail, access trail. People use it to access for hunting. They horseback ride on it go hunting, like small game hunting off of it, whatever. Um, there's a like a hardwood bottom that runs up into the savanna, and it stops cold like 150 yards south of that access area. And way back earlier in the summer, I got in there, and I basically ran up that draw thinking, you know, maybe there'll be like a good bed up in here. So I start running up that draw, and I find uh, loaded down persimmon tree, I find, in the whole draw, I found, like, three white oaks, and they're all together right next to the persimmon tree, and two of them had acorns in them. There's also a muscadine vines right there, and a big, giant community scrape with a bunch of twisted-up looking branches. So I know a buck's been using it. Uh, so, dude, I'm pumped about that, and then I, I go a little bit farther, about 100 yards farther, and I find a buck bed, or, you know, deer bed, whatever, but it's more it's most likely used by a buck most of the time. Uh, and it's it's kind of situated like va- basically at the tip of this draw right on the transition between uh, the hardwoods and like the pine savanna which is a lot of like tall grasses and briars and stuff like that and I mean he's like in a little cave dude there's like a big briar tangle right there and there's literally like a hole the size of a deer going into it and he's sitting in the middle of it just in like a cave and it was super wore down, full of hair, looked really good, a lot of buck sign around it from last year. So I'm going to be hunting that, basically hunting that scrape in those white oaks just south of that bed. And it makes sense for him to bed there on a northeast wind, which we do get a fair amount of, at least in that area. So I'm really excited about that because I can drive past that main access point and come in kind of a weird way just off the shoulder of the road and come in from the south of him and shoot right up the middle of that bottom and he'll never even know. Uh, so for an afternoon sit, I think it's going to be dynamite. Dude, we should tell a fun fact real quick about you and where and kind of like something that you and Steven and Ranella have in common. No. What, no? <laughs> no. <laughs> Dude, it, it's pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. Me, me and Steven Ranella have hunted the same place. Yep. So Andrew hunts where Steven Ranella's hunt in Alabama. It's pretty legit. So, Dude. And I, Yeah. Well, I don't care if... We're not going to say it, but <laughs> I don't care if people know because, I mean, the, the entire population of East Alabama hunts this place already. I mean, dude, it is hard out here, man. I mean, there's a lot of folks, but... Yep. What I really like about that spot, though, dude, is like I said, everybody and their grandmother hunts the place. So if he's bedded there on a northern wind, and I slit, I slink in there, you know, midday one day, mm-hmm. and somebody comes and parks at that access point, which everybody parks at, and they go in there to horseback ride or small game hunt, and like I said, they're like 150 yards away. With the northern wind, he can smell them, which if he just smells them from that distance and he knows that he's safe, he might not get up out of there, but they might wind bump him and bring him past me, or maybe the noise and the commotion. He might just get up out of his bed and come slinking by me because he can walk down that bottom and go into a thicker swamp and go into, like, more security cover. 
Mm-hmm. So really, I'm kind of banking on somebody like dumping him out of there, and he'll just come, hopefully, come by me, and I'll get to fling an arrow at him. Yeah, that's what. But we'll see. That's when you need to call Colton. Uh, hey, Colton, I need you to come down here. <laughs> I've had to call Colton before, dude. I was I, I was out there and I got stuck trying to shot gobble some turkeys. And you're in the old two wheel drive truck. Now he's feeling my that pain. Old two wheel drive. Yeah, shoulder of the road is a little bit softer than <laughs> I thought it was. Oh, sunk right up, dude. Man, <laughs> man anyone that has a two wheel drive truck knows the struggle. And anyone that knows a four wheel drive. Uh, four-wheel drive truck can uh, make fun of us because oh dude colton colton would not let me hear the end of that because i called him i'm like hey man i'm, I'm kind of stuck in some mud on the side of the road i need you to come get me and so this road like cuts off the paved road and i was like 150 yards off the paved road i was just gonna pull over and stop and you know hoot a few times see if i could get some gobbles like preseason scouting for turkeys and i just like sunk down in that soft stuff and dude he gave me so much crap he's like Southern outdoorsman can't even get 200 yards off the road. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like Colton. That sounds like Colton. But uh, yeah. but no, that's, that sounds awesome. And remember last year, we actually bumped a buck out of there while we were on there with a gun hunt, walking in and bumped that buck out ahead of that draw by the, uh, by the um, I guess you call it Savannah Pines or whatever. Pine Savannah. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah we were walking, and I think – me or you turn and we're like, man, this is somewhere a buck would be better. Oh, no. And I took like five more yeah. steps and he busted out of that pile right next to me. Yeah, I said that because we found one ru- one big scrape at the head of the draw. I'm like, dude, we're go- like, we're gonna bump a deer. Like, we're gonna bump a buck. This is exactly where a buck's gonna be bedded. And dude, we did not make it. Like you said, you, you turned and went five, maybe five yards, and dude, he just blew out of that freaking briar patch and just all, all, all you could <laughs> see was antlers while he was running away. I'm like, oh, well. There goes that opportunity. Cause I was like, get the gun, get the gun. Well, I was like, you ain't gonna take a shot unless you can shoot his antlers. That's all you can see, antlers and ears. Uh, but yeah, so that. Oh, dude, yeah, that was bad. That, that's awesome. Well, other than that, do you have anything else uh, about maybe this weekend or anything else you're kind of excited about coming up soon? Uh, man, the YouTube channel. I'm really excited about the YouTube channel. Well, let's head on that for a second. Yeah. So. Right now we're putting together our little introduction videos, so the way it's going to be structured is we're going to have a few different guys filming. Basically it's going to be me for Alabama, Jacob for Tennessee and wherever else he hunts, and then uh, two of our other buddies from other southern states are going to be uh, filming, and you're basically going to get to follow along our seasons. Um, It's probably going to change, like our plans are going to change as we go on because we're totally new to this, but... We want to kind of structure it as like a, a vlog series, like a like kind of a video journal sort thing where you can kind of follow along with us week to week and kind of see what we're doing, what we're up to, maybe what's working for us or like something that we're figuring out. But then also we might try and do some like longer films in the meantime. We'll, we'll see, but it should be fun. I'm pretty excited about it. We kind of splurged on camera gear, so we're going to try and produce something that's pretty high quality because... Me and Jacob have talked about, like, southern public guys were kind of like the forgotten hunters, in my opinion. Like, there's very, very little stuff out there to this point about hunting southern public land. I mean, there might be something that I'm missing, but other than us and Parker's going to be doing some stuff, I really don't think that there's much else out there. I mean, if there is, someone let me know because I'd like to check it out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and that's another thing. Yeah, Parker from the uh, Southern Ground podcast uh, him and his group of guys, uh, Tyler Malone, um, Michael Pike, and am I missing anybody? 
don't think so. No, it's just them. yeah. So they're gonna be producing a lot of cool films as well. You know, southern base hunting as well in public land. Yeah, we're gonna be hunting with them this fall. So you'll be, you'll get to see some collaboration hunts where uh, we're gonna get together with those guys and go out and slock a few giants. Yeah, old Tim in our dreams. Old old, old, <laughs> old Tim Wales right there slocking a couple oh, yeah, deer. Yeah, dude. No, but uh, yeah. So we're gonna so a couple of cool hunts that we've got coming up for this fall. Uh, we're gonna be doing. Of course, our hunt with them, uh, Southern Ground guys are going to be doing a public land hunt with them. It's going to be absolutely phenomenal. Um, also, we have a couple duck hunts coming up uh, that we're going to be going to Arkansas for that we're going to be filming as well, which is going to be pretty cool. Uh, so me and Andrew are going to have a blast of that along with uh, Derek and Greg uh, be able to come down for that. Also, we have a Kentucky cow elk hunt that we're going to be filming, not hunting, filming. Um, one of our buddies, Jamie Monahan, was able to draw a uh, non-resident Kentucky cow elk tag, uh, archery tag. Um, so we're going to plan out that hunt with him. So that's going to be absolutely a blast, dude. It's going to be so cool. And I'm, I'm unbelievably excited about that. Just filming and packing out an elk is going to be a blast. And then, of course, we got a couple different hunts going on this fall with uh, Kevin Murphy of Meat Eater. Uh, we're going to be doing a couple different hunts with him. Uh, going to be traveling around actually a little bit uh, across the southeast and actually a little bit of maybe the Midwest as well doing some hunts with him. Uh, so that's that's going to be a blast too, which I'm sure you guys are really going to enjoy those hunts as well. But once again, guys, uh, definitely you know, follow along with us on YouTube. Definitely check us out there. Also, make sure you're following us on Instagram and Facebook. We put out a lot of content, guys, uh, through that that you will not see or hear on the actual podcast. Uh, so if you want to be up to date with us on everything that we're doing, that's the best way to stay in touch with us. Also, if you want to reach out to us, especially since we're going to be starting the Buck Report uh, within this next week or two. Uh, so definitely reach out to us if you want to be one of our Buck Report reporters uh, from anyone that's in the southeast region. Yes, sir, man. Uh, and we've, we've had a pretty decent influx of new people listening to the podcast, but also uh, new people on Facebook and Instagram. So thanks, everybody, for coming aboard. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. I hope you're learning something. If you're not learning something, tell us why, and we'll fix it. <laughs> well, 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 another thing, Andrew, can you believe that we're about to break 3,000 followers on Facebook, and we've been yeah, up dude. up and running for almost right at six months now, uh, if, yeah, if not that. Thank, thank, really, dude, thanks, everybody. I can't believe that, man. Because to be honest, I hadn't checked the Facebook numbers in a while, and I looked at it the other day, and it was at like 2,800, and I was like, oh, dude, heck yeah. So thanks, everybody, for sharing it and telling your buddies about it, man. That means a lot. And it's helped us a whole bunch. Yeah, exactly. So we do appreciate that, guys. Also, you know, feel free to leave us a review if you really are enjoying our podcast, uh, enjoying what we're producing, also our personalities. I mean, again, feel free to leave us a uh, a review on iTunes and Facebook. That would be awesome, uh, just so we can get some feedback from you guys, see if there's anything we need to change, or you know, what y'all are really liking and enjoying. But uh, yeah, by the way, um, you know, we are starting this uh, new YouTube thing, so. Uh, it'd be awesome if like everybody could reach out to us and kind of tell us maybe some things that you'd like us to produce videos on. Like it could be a specific tip or tactic or scouting technique or hunting technique or filming or, or something. Just like we're because we want to do like tips and tricks and everything. And you know, it could be advanced stuff, it could be basic stuff, it, it doesn't matter. But just let us know kind of what the you know what the southern guy is seeking out right now and uh, we'll do our best to produce something that's relevant to people who consume our content yeah guys and especially if you want to see andrew possibly fall off a beaver pond or a beaver dam while walking across a beaver pond 
uh, definitely put that in the comments below because it's gonna happen because that might happen this fall because it can't prepare yourself. No, it's gonna happen. It, I know it is because I'm clumsy. Yeah, so uh, that ought to be pretty interesting. But once again, guys, we do appreciate y'all for tuning in this week. Uh, definitely uh, keep up to date with us this whole week uh, coming up uh, for this velvet hunt and see how we do. And definitely wish us luck. Yeah, man, for sure. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and uh, we will see you a week from today. You guys seem to really have enjoyed over the last year where we've went to a Q&A format every Thursday on the show where we answer some listener questions. Now, some of the most common ones that we get have to do with gear, but also how to find a good hunting buddy. You know, I'm really lucky to, to have a hunting buddy like Jacob. We've been on a lot of incredible hunting trips together over the years, and it's just nice to have somebody that, you know, is always down to go on that that trip that you've always wanted to go on or, or who'll wake up at three o'clock in the morning and go get that gate before someone else does on public land with you, whatever the case maybe and like i said we get a lot of questions on how do you find you know a group of people who enjoy that same thing so you can kind of network and make some connections the mobile hunters expo is the place to do that y'all heard us talk about it last year and guess what this year it's happening in dalton georgia we're gonna be there june 28th through the 30th we're gonna be there all three days we're gonna have a booth you can come talk to us we talked to a lot of you guys last year had a ton of fun so looking forward to that again but guys i'm telling you this is the place to come network and there's gonna be a ton of you guys there a lot of southern outdoorsman podcast listeners are going to be at this show. And actually, Friday, June 28th, there's going to be an after-hour social after the expo. So what better place to go kind of intermingle, hang out with a bunch of like-minded people, and probably pick up a couple new hunting buddies. So you guys don't miss it. It's June 28th through the 30th. I'm telling you, if you listen to this podcast, this is an event you need to be at. Now, we'll see you guys at the Mobile Hunters Expo June 28th through the 30th in Dalton, Georgia.